I'm excited to be here this morning. We're in John chapter 6. Open your Bibles to John chapter number 6. And uh, several weeks ago, we started a series through uh, uh, the miracles of Jesus Christ as recorded in the Gospel of John. And uh, there's seven of them. And uh, we used five for Advent, and now we're picking up the last couple as we kick off the new year. And this morning, we're uh, in John chapter number 6, and my sermon title is Little as Much with the master's touch, little as much with the master's touch. And uh, I'm going to move this just because I might touch it while we're here. So uh, I'm good to go. John chapter number six. But I'm thinking today uh, uh, just about how we have the privilege and opportunity for new beginnings. Welcome to 2021. Amazing to be in in the year 2021 and uh, uh, new beginnings. It's exciting to me uh, to to begin a new year, Uh, a new day, a new year. It's it's how it is with God that we have the opportunity and the privilege uh, during these days of grace to have new beginnings. I'm grateful to God for that. That because of him, uh, we can reset and start fresh and new. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of that time. It's a time to reflect and learn from the past. It's a time to plan for uh, the future and uh, and really to implement changes, implement changes. I, you know, a lot of times we make much over setting goals and, 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 and I would say, you know, that's wonderful, but how are you going to achieve the goals? You got to implement change because Albert Einstein said, you know, insanity, the definition of insanity is to continue to do the old, same old thing over and over and over and expect different results. And so when you're talking about uh, this new year, what are the changes that I'm going to implement? And, uh, and, and so we look at a lot of different areas of life, encourage you, take advantage of these moments. It's always good to evaluate, where am I? <clears throat> where do I need to be? Uh, where have I been? Learning from the past, planning for the future. And we do that in a lot of different ways. I mean, we'll do that uh, physically, you know, that's one of the biggest things that we do this time of year is physically. We say, man, where, where have I been? Well, I've been at Donut Kingdom too many times. And, uh, and, then, they, and then they went and built one. They put one close to home. That's terrible. But uh, 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 Donut Kingdom. And so, and so hey, if I want to make some changes, I can't go there every day of the week. Maybe six days, but not seven. Uh, but, 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 but physically, we look at those things. Financially, where do I want to be financially? You know, maybe, maybe I need to make a change and start putting $10 away a week, whatever it might be. Might be financially, physically. We might look at our family and say, I, I need to spend more time dating my wife. I need to spend more time with my children. I need to invest more into my, you know, what, what, what are we doing with our life? Where am I? Where have I been? And where do I want to be? Such that next year you can look back and say, man, I've made some changes. I've implemented some changes. God, help us not to embrace mediocrity when it comes to life. In other words, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll say, well, that's just the way it is. Well, maybe that's the way it is, but that's not the way it has to be. And so God help me this year to, to, to uh, just embrace changes, to implement changes into my life such that I can be the best me that there will ever be. Because the fact of the matter is, you are the best you that there's ever going to be. <clears throat> God created only one of you, and uh, that's the only one he's ever going to create. And, and at the end of the day, here's the deal. You are special to God. And there's, there's some incredible, I believe there's some incredible things God wants to do in through us. The question is, do I really want that? And so what I'm going to look at this morning is spiritually, where have I been and where do I want to be? And what changes might I need to make along the way? And, and, and so this morning, really just doing a spiritual evaluation. Where am I? Uh, you know, the greatest commandment in Scripture, the greatest commandment, Jesus Christ was asked the question, 
said, what's the greatest commandment in all of the Bible? And he responded. So in in Matthew 22, uh, the Bible says this, to love the Lord your God, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, right? To love him with everything. So the question is, are you loving him with everything? With my all? Have I given him my all? Or am I holding back? What am I giving to Jesus? You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter three, verses 20 and 21, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we can ask or imagine. You know what he's saying? He's saying, man, I, I, I can do great work in and through you. But the question is this, are you available? Are you saying, I, I give you my all, I give you my all. <clears throat> and so I just want to challenge you this morning and ask the question, have I given him my all? You know, some people will look at themselves and, and, and really under-evaluate yourself. Be careful that you don't under-evaluate yourself, uh, putting limitations on yourself. In other, words, in other words, a lot of people say, man, I just don't have much to give. I don't have much to give. I would say, you know what, at the end of the day, it's not about how much you've got because little is much in the master's hands. Little is much in the master's hands. And we're gonna look at that this morning. Uh, You know, when you're talking about this story, it's a familiar story and be careful that the familiarity of the story doesn't shut us down. And that's what we do a lot of times. We look, oh, I know the story. You know, a little boy came up there with fish and, and, uh, and some loaves of bread and Jesus Christ fed thousands of people. I want to know the story. Do you, do you hear what he did? Do you hear what Jesus did in the story? John chapter six, just a little bit as much. The master's touch. John chapter six, beginning verse number one this morning. Read with me. <clears throat> the Bible says, after these things, after these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee or Tiberias. A large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. Then Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Therefore Jesus, lifting his eyes and seeing what that a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? This he was saying to test him, for he himself knew what he was intending to do. So Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. And one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a little lad over here who has five barley loaves, two fish, but what are these for so many people? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number, about 5,000. Jesus then took the loaves and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated likewise also of the fish as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. And so this story this morning, just talking about little as much with the master's 
touch. And uh, when you look at this miracle, it's, it's an incredible miracle recorded in Scripture. John, again, we, 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 the reason for going to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John tells us in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, that their whole purpose for his writing, the whole purpose for including the miracles that he includes is so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in his name that you might have life. And so, and so this morning, just talking about this miracle that took place. In fact, when you're looking at the Gospels of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the Gospels of, of the Word of God, what you will find is, is that you will find only two, only two miracles that are recorded in all four of the Gospels. Only two miracles are recorded in all four of the Gospels, to which I would say that's pretty significant. Pay attention to the lessons to be learned. The only two miracles recorded in all four Gospels would be, first of all, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which we would say, that's pretty important. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ came and he overcame death. He overcame uh, the grave. And so he's alive today. I'm grateful to God for who he is and what he has done, the resurrection, but also the feeding of the 5,000 is another one that's been recorded in, in the scriptures. And so the, the, the setting and what's taking place, Jesus Christ and his apostles, you go back and you begin to read Jesus Christ and his apostles they've been out on what we would call a short-term mission trip uh, they've been out investing into people and if you've ever been on a short-term mission trip you ever been out there investing in people you get tired at the end of the day and, and and so that's where we find them they're weary they're tired and they're needing a little bit of rest in fact I, Adrian Rogers once said it like this <clears throat> he said if you're always there for everybody you'll never be any good to anybody in other words, there's a balance to be had. There's so many lessons that we can learn from these passages of Scripture. Uh, one of them would be the balance between work and rest. Always make sure that you take a break every now and then. It's okay to take a break every now and then. We struggle with those things. Sometimes some of us struggle with those things. You feel like you're lazy when you take a break. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ had his apostles, and they're going to go and take a break, a little break. And so, and so, But they look up, and they see all the people continue to... Follow, and Jesus' heart has moved with great compassion. And so, and so basically in this story, what we're going to do is look at basically three types of people, three types of people that, are, that we can talk about and look at in this passage of Scripture. The first one would be the famished followers, the famished followers. The Bible says in verse number two, a large crowd followed him. Why'd they follow him? Because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. And then if you go over in verse number 26, Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, uh, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. In other words, Jesus was hitting at the motive as to why they were even there. And so basically, there's, these aren't true followers of Jesus Christ, but rather they're selfish seekers is what they are. They're selfish seekers, and sometimes if we're not careful, we can be a selfish seeker along the way. Why are we here? In other words, when you're talking about the gathering of God's people, when you're talking about the gathering on a Sunday morning, just because people come to gather doesn't make them a worshiper. Doesn't mean they're a true worshiper just because they're in the crowd. And so the Lord Jesus Christ says, man, we've got this big crowd of people, but they're, but they're famished. They've got a problem. They're famished. And, and the reason for them being famished is simply because they're not coming to the bread of life. They're not coming for Jesus. They're not coming for the blesser, but rather for the blessings. They're coming for the signs. They're coming for the shows for the wrong reason. And if we're not careful, we can be coming for the wrong reasons. 
In other words, what happens a lot of times is you meet people and I just want the fix. I don't want the father. I just want my life to be blessed, but I don't really want the blesser. I don't really want Jesus as Lord. And if I'm not coming for Jesus as Lord, there's a lot of people that remain famished followers of Christ. And at the end of the day, they're not really a follower of Jesus Christ. God, help us understand. <clears throat> so here they are. They're sitting there and they're saying, man, we, we, we're, just, we're just here. Why are we here? Why are we following? We're in it for me, myself, and I. In other words, what they were looking at is they were saying, hey, I, I've seen him heal the sick. In fact, we've seen him take a dead man and bring him back to life. And now, man, it's free food. We want to make him king. And that's what it says, in fact, in verse number 15, that they wanted to make him king. They wanted to make him the president. Not because of who he is, but because of what he can do for me. And the problem with that, there's a lot of problems with that, but there's a couple of problems uh, specifically uh, that's wrong with that. And that's this. When Jesus Christ doesn't meet my expectations, then I'm out. How many times have you met somebody along the way? Maybe there's somebody that's not even here today that you have a relationship with and you've invited to come. And, and, and they tell you a story about how somewhere along the way, God failed them. He didn't, he didn't live up to my expectations. He didn't save my family when it was falling apart. He didn't save my loved one when they were sick. He didn't deliver like I thought he should deliver. Therefore, I'm out. And that happens if I'm falling for the wrong reasons. In fact, that's exactly what happened to this crowd. This crowd was following many in the crowd. Not all, many in the crowd were following. Why? Because of the signs. Because I'm looking for free food. And Jesus Christ begins to preach the truth. And when Jesus Christ begins to preach the truth, the darkest, the darkest verse in all of the Bible, I believe, is in this chapter. John chapter 6 and verse number 66. In John chapter 6, And in verse number 66, the Bible says this. As a result of this, what? His proclaiming the truth. Many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. What'd they do? They turned around. Why? We don't want the Lord. I just want the blessings that come from following. And so be careful. The question is, why am I here today? Why am I following Am I following because of who he is or simply something that he might be able to do for me? How many times, how many times, honest to goodness, have I seen people in the, in the midst of difficult circumstances, uh, marriages that are falling apart and they come and they say, man, we need God in our marriage only to see the marriage restored and they're out the door. It's like, that's the wrong reason. It's not just about those things. It's about who he is. He's Lord. He's king. I want to follow him because of who he is. But not only are they out the door in a hurry, they remain spiritually famished forever. In other words, never truly satisfied, never completely content. Why? Because I'm not feasting on the bread of life. This whole miracle that Jesus does leads to a sermon. I am the bread of life. Are you feasting on me? And the good news this morning is this. If anybody, if anybody is famished, if anybody needs to eat, let him come to Jesus Christ. And I promise you today, I promise you today, 
he will satisfy. He will satisfy your soul. The Bible says in Revelation 21 and verse number six, Revelation 21, verse number six, then he said to me, it is done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. And so the question today, is anybody hungry? If anybody's thirsty, you come to Jesus and he will satisfy. Famished followers, they're following for the wrong reasons and forever, forever, they will not be satisfied. Are you satisfied with Christ today? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? That's what he desires to be to you. He wants to be that friend that sticks closer than her brother in your life. <clears throat> well, if we go on in this story, not only do we have famished followers that are never content, in fact, ultimately, they walk away. But then we have familiar followers. I call them familiar followers. And in verse number five, the Bible says this, therefore Jesus, lifting up his eyes and seeing what a large crowd was coming to him, he said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these may eat? And this he was saying to test him, for he knew what he was intending to do. So Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a little lad over here. It's got five loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? And so when you're looking at, when you're looking at this uh, 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 miracle, it's always good uh, to, to, to look at the other accounts so that you can get the complete picture of what's happening. Look at the other accounts, when, and, and it's interesting when you read the other accounts because over in Matthew's gospel, when Matthew's writing in chapter number 14 and verse number 15, the Bible says this, <clears throat> when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and the house is already late. Or, or, house, the hour is already late. So send the crowds away that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. In other words, you hear what's happening? Here these guys are, the familiar followers, the familiar followers. We know how this goes. We know how a service ought to go when we gather together. We're gonna be there for one hour and once the holy noontime comes, it's time to shut her down. And, and, and once we shut her down, it's time to go to lunch. Every man for himself. We're hungry. We're tired. We've been there. We've done that. We punched the ticket. Now it's time to go home. And that's what they were saying. It's time to shut her down. Matthew's account, chapter 14, verse number 16. Jesus said to them, hey, they don't need to go away. You in fact, it's an emphatic you. What does that mean? You, yourself, you give them something to eat. You take care of them. They're here, you take care of them. It's interesting when you look at how we function sometimes today. Be careful that you don't wish off a ministry opportunity that God gives to you. You know, you know what I'm talking about? How does that look practically speaking? Here's what that looks like. Hey, uh, preacher, I'm down here at Walmart and there's somebody out here in the parking lot that has a need. Can you come down here and take care of him? <laughs> hey, I'm not saying don't ever call me, but I'm saying you ever thought that maybe perhaps God put you in that place to use you? I mean, really? 
Don't, don't wish off on somebody else. And, and you say, oh, you just don't want to come down there. No, that's not it at all. But if God brings that to me, I'm not going to call you. Don't wish off on somebody else what God wants to do in and through you. To use you for his name's sake, for his kingdom's sake. God, help me to be used again by God along the way. Hey, you know, I was thinking... Billy Bob needs a phone call or a visit. You want to go down there and visit him? <laughs> maybe God put him on your heart. Maybe, maybe God put her on your heart. You be the hands and the feet. Be careful that you don't wish off. Be careful uh, that, you, that you limit. Put limits on how God can use you. Because a lot of times the reason why we do those things is because we see ourselves and think, I don't really have a lot to offer. And that's a lie from the devil. Man, you may not have a lot to offer, but you know the one who does. And, and, and I tell you, with the very little bit that I might have to offer, God can do a lot. I mean, God spoke the universe out of nothing. Do you think he can do something with me? <laughs> I bet he can. God help me. <clears throat> so what happens all of a sudden when you read the accounts of Scripture? The first impression, these guys came with the recommendation, hey, get rid of them. Jesus said, hey, you feed them. You guys take care of them. And then we have the account recorded in Scripture. And so what do they do? Oh, well, they formed a committee, because that's what we do as Baptists. We form a committee. Uh, they said, well, let's, let's get together. Let's get a committee together. Let's talk about this. Let's study this and see. How are we going to take care of these things? And you know what happened? The pessimism started coming out. Do you know why? Because in every church and everywhere you go, there's always going to be pessimistic people. I mean, it just happens along the way. Who are the pessimistic people? They're the ones that always want to tell you why you can't do what you're asking to do. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, that just happens along the way. This is why we can't do it. They're looking for a reason why we can't move forward. Here's why we can't do it. Here's why we, you know what a pessimist, you know, you know how to identify a pessimist? <clears throat> when you come up to them, they won't shake your hand, they just shake their head. <laughs> so, <laughs> Philip, verse number seven, the Bible says, Philip looked out there and he started counting the cost and he said, man, there's no way, it's impossible. It's gonna cost us way too much. It's gonna cost us way too much. You know what's interesting? is when you look at, look at these guys and where they've been with Jesus Christ and look at what they've seen Jesus Christ to be able to do. And then they're gonna sit there and put limitations on omnipotence. Why were they doing that? Familiarity breeds contempt. Familiarity breeds contempt. What do you mean by that? Mark chapter six, you can read the story, Jesus Christ Jesus Christ. The Bible even, in fact, goes on to say this about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of their unbelief, because of their unbelief, what was their unbelief based upon? He was in his hometown trying to minister. And the people were looking at him and saying, this is just common old Jesus. Isn't he just that old carpenter down there? Isn't that who he is? He's a nobody. It's not really that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. And if we're not careful, that's exactly the approach that we take to the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we look and, and we begin to treat him with contempt. The question, so, so, so here's a question. Here's a question for all of us to answer for, for ourselves. 
Familiar followers of Jesus Christ. Familiar followers of Jesus Christ. Let me ask the question. This morning when you got up to come to church, did you come to church say, man, I wonder if somebody's gonna have their eternity changed today by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I wonder if there's gonna be a family that's falling apart today that all of a sudden the wind of the Holy Spirit of God breathes a fresh new power on their family today. Or do we say, man, I'm just going down there, I'm gonna watch the band play and then I'm gonna hear the sermon and then we're heading to lunch. Familiarity, no expectation, no anticipation that omnipotence might move today. And that's what's happening. That's exactly what happens. We begin to limit God. Andrew, Philip in verse seven, Andrew goes on to say, well, here's a little dude right here, which by the way, by the way, I would say he's one step in front, (laughs) at least. At least he's looking. And you know what we find in Andrew? You know what we find in Andrew? There's not a lot recorded in scripture about Andrew, but I will say this about Andrew. You know what we find with Andrew? Andrew, whenever he's listed in scripture, go back and read about him. He's always bringing somebody to Jesus. He's always introducing somebody to Jesus. Which, by the way, this morning, all of us can do that. All of us can do that. But he looks over there and he says, well, here's a, here's a little boy, and he's got a couple of little fish, and some bread, but it's an impossible situation. I mean, do you hear what they're saying? I mean, it, it, they're, they're, it's, it's almost as if they're standing in front of Niagara Falls and saying, man, we're gonna find some water around this place. I mean, they're, they're in front of Jesus Christ. So I, I don't know, I don't know what we're gonna do. God help us not become so familiar with Jesus that we calculate Without him, God help us. You know, when you calculate with Jesus Christ, anything is possible. Really, anything is possible. I mean, sometimes along the way, you ever been here before? You ever been here before in a relationship with somebody? You know somebody, God brought somebody into your life, might be a family member, might be a friend, and you just feel like, man, they're just so far lost, they're so hard-hearted, they're never gonna come to Jesus Christ. You ever been there before? I mean, just getting real. You say, oh, ain't nobody. You ever felt that, though, before? Sincerely, sincerely, there is no body that's beyond God's grace. I'm telling you, he's a God of miracles. In fact, the Bible says in Luke 18, verse number 27, Luke chapter number 18 and verse number 27, but he said the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. God, help me to have expectations. Help me to have anticipation. Help me not become just such a familiar follower of Jesus Christ that I put limits on omnipotence, that I don't expect anything from the God who spoke everything from nothing. God, help me. And then we have the faithful follower, this little boy. (laughs) And we don't have a lot recorded about him. But the Bible says this in verse number nine. There's a little lad who has five loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people? You know, when you think about that little boy and you think about his life, we don't know a lot about that little boy. He's bringing his lunch. What happened that day? I don't believe for a second 
that he left his home saying, I'm going to do this great work with God today. I don't think that. I think he was just on his way to go with the crowd to see Jesus. I want to see this Jesus. I've heard some about him. I'm going to go. And along the way, Andrew approached him and obviously said, Hey, Jesus wants to feed these people. They need to eat. Can he have your, can he have your couple of fish and loaves of bread? Really, it was something that didn't have much value when you look at what he was carrying in his hand. It didn't have much value. But it took on great value. It became valuable when it was available. It became valuable when it was available. And this morning you may be here and say, I don't have much to give. Give it and watch what he'll do with it. Whatever that is. Time, talents, treasure, whatever that is. God, I want to be used by you. That little boy could have said, you know what? Every man for himself. This is my lunch. Sorry. Too bad. So sad. Everybody needs to go away. He could have said that. He could have been looking out for himself. He could have. The little bit I've got, not going to make any difference in the world. And, and you know, that's the approach that so many people have when it comes to his work and what he's able to do in and through us. That's how come, that's how come so many people, it's so indifferent. Whether or not I even gather together with the children of God for worship, it doesn't really matter because I don't know of anything significantly that I can do. Do you know what's interesting? Is when you look at people and how God uses people along the way, don't ever underestimate what God can do through you. I'm, I'm just telling you right now, my life has been impacted more by people of such insignificance. My greatest inspiration, my greatest inspiration, I've been here for 19 years. My greatest inspiration in this body has come from people. In fact, I'm thinking of one person in particular that's never taught a lesson, never sung a song, really isn't much to look at, has speech issues. And it's not the words they said to me, but the embrace they give to me that's inspired me more than anybody. You say, I, God can't really use me. Don't believe that for a second. You don't know how God might be using you. You don't know how God might be using you. God help us. Little as much master's touch you know when you look through scripture it's interesting when you look at different stories in scripture at what God did with just a little bit I mean you, you go back anywhere in scripture you talk about Moses it wasn't Moses greatness that did great things it was a great God that took an old broken down man that had speech impediment and did a great work through him how about Elijah Elijah was provided for by a widow that didn't have nothing but she gave everything, and God provided miraculously. One of the greatest prophets ever to grace the planet. He took a little boy and a single stone, slayed a giant, delivered a nation. Took one man, 
with the jawbone <laughs> and killed a thousand to deliver his people. Little as much with the master's touch. My question to you is this. Have you given him your little? Have you given him your little? I want to invite you today, <clears throat> 2021. First question is simply this. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because that's where it begins. He desires a relationship with you. God loves you so much that he sent his son into this world. And he laid his life down for you. Why? Because of a problem that we're born with. We are born with a sinful nature, broken. And there is not a fix other than the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sins. And so Jesus Christ, while we were still sinners, demonstrated his great love for you and for me. And that while we were sinners, he laid down his life for you and for me, paid the price for you. Why? Because he desires intimacy with you, a relationship. It's not about religion. It's a relationship. And this year, if you don't have a relationship, let it start fresh today. Maybe you hear this morning and say, you know, I, I've got a relationship, but I've just grown familiar and I don't expect a whole lot. I would encourage you to repent before God. Forgive me. Forgive me for treating you as common. You are holy. You are God. You are my king. You are Lord. Thank you. Thank you for all that you've done. Give me a fresh touch from heaven today. Starting fresh, starting new. Maybe you're here this morning. Say, man, I just want to be faithful with what I've got. God, show me how to be your hands and feet. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. I give you all of my love. I give you all of my heart. I give you everything I've got. Take it and use it for your glory. God, show me how today. Show me how today.